The HERE podcast is all about reclaiming your power and reconnecting with your mind and body. By releasing our stories and the power they have had over our lives and creating a compassionate and supportive community, we can bring love, understanding, awareness, and healing to ourselves and to all who need it most. Join me in saying, enough is enough. I own my power. I am ready for the next chapter of my life, and it will be the most amazing one yet. Hello, Gloria. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, I was really excited and happy when you reached out to me. I know you saw what I was posting um, on social media and you reached out and at first you weren't sure if you wanted to share your story and then you decided, yeah, you know what, I want to do this. And um, it's just very brave of you. People are going to be able to heal and um, from your story. And so it's just really awesome. I'm I'm happy to have you. Want you to just completely relax and share your story, how you want to share it. And this is just a conversation um, with with me and the audience is going to love it. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Um, I am very happy. I'm going to be able to share my story. Um, And I'm very happy there's an outlet for us to be able to communicate, especially because sometimes we feel we're alone in this. Um, I wish there would have been some kind of outlet when I was growing up. Um, and even in my early thirties, I wish there would have been more people I could have communicated with, been able to, cause I think we heal better when we f- know we're not alone in this. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> so my story starts, of sexual abuse. I was sexually abused when I was four years old till I was five or six, oh. um, as a child. And then I've also had verbal abuse from my mom. So I didn't tell my mom what happened to me until I was 18 years old. So from the time it happened till I was 18, I just kept only two other people knew in my life. And I kept it a secret because I felt ashamed. I felt like I was wearing it. And, And now looking back, I was, I was yelling out for help, but it was taken as uh, I was being a rebel or I was just not being respectful. And the way I let out, I was, I was very mean, very mean to people, very mean to myself. Didn't, didn't care about my life or how I affected others, like my verbal to them, because I, all I knew was, something was taken away from me. So I'm gonna not make like make you not feel good. And then I started, well, drinking and stuff when I was 13, because both my parents, I grew up with both my parents being alcoholics. So it was easy to get alcohol easy to, to just forget about stuff. And then my real change happened when I when I told my mom what had happened mm-hmm. and she asked my sister because it was happening, it had happened to my sister too. And my sister denied it. <gasps> oh, so when my sister denied it, cause I thought, okay, we're in this together. We're going to bring it out to the light. And we're just, I'm going to, I, in my head thought 
I'm going to have a support group. Mm-hmm. But my mom and I never had a good relationship. So when my sister denied it, it got bad because she didn't believe me. She was, she thought I was lying and made it all up, made an excuse for my bad behavior growing up, that I was making an excuse for my bad behavior growing up, all the stuff that had happened. And that broke me to a point where I was like, what do I do next? Because I thought sharing my truth was going to liberate me Mm -hmm. of feeling guilty. And it didn't. (laughs) So then I started going to therapy to fix myself. And in therapy, I learned that I needed to embrace what happened. And I know that sounds weird, Mm -mm. but that it didn't define me. It didn't make me who I was. And when When did you, go ahead. I was just going to say, when did you start going to therapy? When I was about 19 years old. 19. Go ahead. Sorry. So I started discovering who I really was as a person, what I really liked as a person And I never had a boyfriend in high school, never wanted a boyfriend, didn't even think I was interested in boys. I thought maybe I'm going to be a lesbian because if if that could be a choice, you know, but I was like, Mm -hmm. stay away from men, stay away from all that. And no one would hurt you. So I didn't know what it was like to have a boyfriend, a partner, anything. It was just, I just wanted to work on me because I didn't like me. I wanted to accept me. So when I finally started going to therapy and finally started realizing, like, I had more to give than just my story or what happened to me. And that's when I felt like, okay, I'm getting to know myself. I'm realizing who I am. And then I get up at 23. I met my husband. And wow, did was I not ready? <laughs> I was like oh my gosh, this feelings and being sexually, that intimacy was a big problem, big problem. Because you don't think you have triggers and then someone touches you a certain way or someone hugs you a certain way and or smells a certain way and those triggers come back. And they've, I always thought when that would happen, I would be stronger let it just go it's in my head and the anxiety of it I tell people I don't know how my husband didn't put me in a loony bin before or didn't (laughs) break up with me as boyfriend and girlfriend like just starting off a relationship and having all this baggage already when he thought she has no baggage she has no kids she has no exes this is going to be this is going to be easy (laughs) yeah (laughs) And it wasn't, it was, it was getting to know myself and he was, it was him being able to understand and hear me and not question it. Cause you know, when someone questions you, you automatically think, oh, there's definitely something wrong with me because he's questioning it and just going through all that stuff. And then a year later, I had a baby in my hands and it was like, 
I got into postpartum depression because I didn't know how to take care of my daughter. I didn't want to change her diaper. I didn't want to, like, didn't want to shower her, didn't want to bathe her. I was like, my husband did all of that. I was, I'm feeding her and that's it. And you can do the rest. And that bonding you, you need with your kids, I think my daughter and I didn't get much of it because I was so scared if I touched her a certain way that I was harming her. Mm-hmm. So I was taking medications for my anxiety and my depression and talking to a therapist again. And what made me feel comfortable is my husband walking me through changing her diaper. And I know it sounds so basic and so dumb because I had my sisters would leave me with their kids. I, I was around my nieces and nephews doing all their stuff, but it was, I think it was the, this was my person now that I realized like, if I mess this up, I'm going to traumatize her for the rest of her life. Does that make sense? Like, yes, yes. It does make sense, uh, especially, and there was uh, something I jotted down here that people don't realize. So you said that this abuse had happened when you were five years old, Mm -hmm. and um, people may not realize how deeply this affects somebody, um, that this happened when you were five years old, and now as um, a grown woman and a mother- those the that pain um and those feelings from when that happened to you so many years ago are manifesting and so then you're like you're probably thinking if i do something wrong just like you said am i going to am, am i go, going to i mean destroy is is a is a harsh word but her throughout her life is she's going to be dealing with stuff when she's older yes and that's exactly how I felt. I was like, oh, this is not going to be good for me. And once my husband and I were talking, he's like, okay, do this, do that. And then it was like a routine. Don't spend too much time there. Wash her. Make sure nothing's there. You know, when I would change her growing up, um, I was very affectionate with my kids because I didn't get any of that. So my mission in life was to show my kids I love them at every step of the way, like every minute, I just wanted them to know that they were loved. Mm-hmm. When I had my my second pregnancy, I miscarried, and that was like, okay, I felt like, okay, I don't have to go through my postpartum anymore. It was it was weird. I was hurt, but in a way, I was like, oh, this is gonna be okay. We're not gonna relive my first three months of being a mom again. And then I got pregnant again with my son because I had some health issues. And they're like, if you don't get pregnant now, probably in the future, you won't be able to. So my husband's like, let's try. And we had a boy. But with him, it was so different My because I didn't see myself in him. So mm-hmm. it was much more smoother, much more like, okay, I got this. I got this. And then years passed by and my husband and I split up for a little bit. And then when we get back together and we going, we are now going to therapy as a couple. And he was pointing out all these things like you're not affectionate, you're not this, you're not that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 
and I realized like I am affectionate. He's like, no, you're affectionate only with the kids. You're affectionate, all, but you don't show me affection. And I was like, well, it's not my responsibility. And then when I left there and I'm like, of course it's my responsibility. I'm his wife. And if he can't feel love for me, then who's going to give it to him? Mm-hmm. And then during the therapy, we dived down again. And it was always coming back to my abuse. And it was like, man, when is this going to leave me? And again, we came back to it. We came back to showing other affection, walking through all of that. And then during the time when I was in my mid, I was maybe 28, something happened. And I didn't realize I was suppressing this memory from the time I was nine years old. I was abused at nine again by some someone in the family. And it was, I, I, I don't know if I, according to the therapist, sometimes we hide, we, we bury stuff down because we feel like I was already gone through it as a kid, as a child, and I couldn't defend myself. And then as a nine-year-old, now you're able to use more of your words and I still didn't do anything. So it was more guilt. So I just buried that very deeply down. And it came back and I'm like, oh my gosh, it didn't happen to me just one time. And when you're going to therapy and you're talking about abusers and predators, I realized that they were all over my surroundings. Because again, I grew up in a household where both my parents drank. Friday was like party night at our house. And people came and went. Mm. So it was never, I never had a security, you know, that security blanket that your parents try to provide you, like, this is your space, this is your home. I didn't have that. Because that's that as parents, that's our responsibility, right? To create that safe space for the children and Mm -hmm. be conscious about who's around them and what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think I was 29 when I finally stopped drinking. And I tell I tell people I was an alcoholic because if you need to drink every day to just rest, and I'm not talking about one beer, two beers, a glass of wine, that's perfect. But I needed to drink six beers and sometimes two bottles of wine to be able to rest, to be able to fall asleep and not not think about my my past being in my present does that make sense yes yes that makes sense because I did the same thing it was living in my household it was disrupting my my house my my energy and I think what got me through when I was 15 till it was because when I turned 15 my godmother came back into my life And she taught me meditation. She taught me self-love. She taught me a lot of more things. Well, she gave me the tools for them. And then, so that's how I, and I became very religious. I was like, God's going to get me through this. God's going to get me through this. And it wasn't until I was 19 that I realized God's not going to get me through this. He's showing me, like the world shows you 
in my belief, what tools do you need? Now it's your choice if you grab them and make something of it and fix something or build something new or if you just leave them there and continue your path with the same person. So when you when you're mentioning I absolutely agree that the that you're shown um uh the tools maybe that on how to heal is that what you're mm-hmm. saying yes yes what are some examples of things that or how they were presented to you my godmother moved back it started with my godmother mm-hmm. she moved back from ohio i mean utah to here to california again and she's like there's something wrong with you and i don't know what that is but we're gonna find out mm. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, yes, there is. And then she would just talk to me as an equal. And she's a person I opened up to the first time about my abuse. Uh, because, again, I was living under a household where I was verbally abused every day by my mom. I was not good enough. I was not pretty enough. I was not skinny enough. I was, my skin was too dark for her taste. Uh, my hair was too curly for her taste. So I grew up self-loathing myself, like, like really self-loathing. And when my godmother came in my life, it was, I rejected her for many years. Like, oh, you're crazy. You're just on your kumbaya stuff, and I'm not there. Like, <laughs> it's great that you see the world with light, but not everybody has to be that way. And it was hard for her because, and then finally one day I was like, fine, we'll try it your way. And it started with meditation and okay. realizing that I am who I am despite of what has happened to me and accepting myself for my past and my, what I want for my future, that my past doesn't define me. And a lot of in meditation and Buddhism, it tells you like, you got to accept yourself, but you still want to learn. You still want to grow and you don't leave it behind but you learn from it. And once I realized like I needed to learn to be stronger for me, to be stronger for my own healing. And because I didn't want to hate the world anymore. I realized when my godmother came into my life that it was about embracing life. And at 18, when I finally told my mom what happened, and I didn't get the answer that I needed, that I wanted. It was heartbreaking. And my godmother, thankfully, was there for me and was like, this is not your fault. Your mom, is it a, it's in a different time of her life that you can't take what she's going through personally. And I didn't understand that. I did not understand how you can't take someone telling you negative things about yourself personally. like. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and as a child, because I was 18 only, I thought, what do you mean it's not personal? It is personal. She's attacking me. And it wasn't until I had my second child 
that I realized like my mom's a human being. And my mom has gone through way worse. And I'm not, I'm not excusing her, but she doesn't know any better. Yeah. So once I saw my mom as a human being and not just as my mom, my protector, the person who's supposed to be by my side, and just saw her as another victim, I had compassion for her. And it wasn't, I was 30 already by this time. So I had compassion for her, but I stepped away from her mm-hmm. because I was like, and I have to grow in with myself and heal myself first before I allow any more negative people in my life. And I, that's when I feel like I did my most healing as just for me, not, not my husband and myself, but just more healing for me realizing that I was actually worth love, worth um, being just a human being to other human beings. Because I didn't think I was worth it. I didn't think I was even worth people liking me. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I absolutely understand that. And you were starting, did you... Um, did I hear you right? And you started to really recognize that when you were in your thirties? Yes. Yeah. Because I, me too, I can clearly pinpoint that that's when I started to, uh, not that it was like a, a, a light switch and everything was great once I turned 30, but that I really started to realize those things and, and head more into healing. Yes. It's like at that point, I felt like I didn't have a choice but to heal. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, Gloria, this is your growing. This is whether you grow or you stay stagnant. And when I started being more, like I let go of all my insecurities, my wanting to be perfect or my trying to please that person that I wanted, like, I wanted my mom to love me. Like, just love me, just love me, like that little kid. And then I realized, like, no, you got to love yourself, Gloria. You're your mom, you're your everybody, but you are working on you. Like, once you love yourself unconditionally, then you can love somebody else. Yes, that is so beautifully put because I I know that throughout my life until I met my husband, I even fell into this thing where I I, I was in all in these different relationships and um they weren't they weren't all bad. Um they they were nice guys. I had one I had two abusive relationships, but they were they were nice guys, but I think it was I I didn't feel like I could have the relationship that I, that I dream of, or that's in, in my head and that I wasn't worth that. So I needed to take, um, I needed to take what I could get, I guess for, I mean, lack of a better term, take what I could get. And even if the guy was really nice, it was clear though, that this wasn't the right fit for me, but I would always try to make it work mm-hmm. because I really didn't think I I thought that that was probably like I was even really lucky to have this person interested in me, even yeah. though it wasn't clicking or, you know, does, mm-hmm. does it, yeah. it makes perfect sense. 
Yeah. And I didn't, like I said, when I got with my husband, I was like, I was the abuser in the relationship. I became my worst nightmare. Like that person I didn't want to be, I became, and my husband would be like, don't speak to me that way. Who, did, who, did, who raised? And I was like, who raised you? And then when I realized one day he recorded me and I'm like, oh, that sounds horrible. He's like, that's how you speak to me. And I was like, what? Oh, no, wow. that's not me. And then I, he was, I started to realize like, wait, I need to fix. I need to be nice in my own home. Because if I die tomorrow, how are they going to speak of me? Mm-hmm. That was my, like, not that I need people to praise me, but I'm, I want my three people to my, my crew <laughs> to love me, to be like, she was amazing, an amazing mom. She was an amazing friend. And if they couldn't speak of me that way, then I'm failing as a parent. I felt like I'm failing as a parent and I'm failing as a wife. And it's not just like I need them to accept me. It was like I just needed to be nicer, period. It had, it's beyond of them accepting me. It's If you're treating somebody not nice, like if you're being rude to someone, you got to find out what's wrong with that. Like somebody is going through something. So when I went in deeper with myself and in, I was in my early 30s and realizing like how do I want someone to treat me? And then I just started treating my husband with respect. And he was always respectful to me. It's just, he's, he's such a kid still. And I mean that, um, like, kind. I don't mean that in a... But that's... I fell in love with my husband because he makes me laugh. He's yeah, like innocent. A jokester, innocent. Yes, yes, is like a yes, kid. He's yeah. a jokester. He's like, yeah. So when I was, grow, you know, getting older, I was like, oh, why hasn't he grown up? And I'm like, wait, that's what I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. Why am I asking somebody to change and then still want them to love me unconditionally? Absolutely. So in my early 30s, I learned what the meaning of unconditional love meant. And to and me, what does that mean to you? Oh, you were just about to tell yeah. me. <laughs> It means loving someone despite of what annoys you and not telling them. Because once you tell somebody, I love you, but that's a condition already. Unconditionally means to me is I love you besides everything that annoys me about you. Like I love my husband now more than I loved him when we met 15 years ago. Yeah. And I appreciate him so much more now than even five years ago. Because I'm not, I'm not nagging. I'm not, and I'm not saying like, oh, we're just all free. We're all happy love all the time. No, we have our issues like everybody else. But the fact that I love myself more now, I can show it. I can demonstrate, I can just be present when I'm there and not being, not be thinking that I could have better. Does that make sense? Like not dreaming yeah. of a better life, like not dreaming of, oh, when I get my mansion. No, it's like we're living in this moment. And especially right now with the uncertainties, uncertainties that are happening in the world, 
I realized that I have a great group of people around me and I've cre- I've created what I've always knew I deserved but didn't want to admit it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that people um I think the audience listening and my, my myself as well. I totally I get that and I never really thought of it in depth, but before I was always there was always something more or something better something greater to, to like the bigger house, a uh, mm-hmm. different relationship of uh, someone who did this opposed to what I have now and, and on and on where now I truly am. I, I absolutely love my husband. I know what you're saying about the annoying thing. And I think that that's, you know, um, that's not a bad thing. For mm-hmm. example, when my husband is doing a task or a chore, he is all consumed with that. And you, he does not, able to engage in any other conversation. And before it would bug me, like, why can't I sit here and talk to you just because you're doing the dishes or something Mm -hmm. like that? And like, why don't you want to engage with me? And I would take that, I would, uh, I would feel hurt or slighted because of that. And now, and before I would probably be like, this relationship isn't working for me. Yeah. But now, no. Okay. I love him. And he, when he's doing a task, I know that's just how he is. Mm-hmm. Just like I have my own thing that he needs to adjust to as well, but we're happy to do it because, you know, we love each other so much. And yeah, like, oh, sure. Make, making millions. Yeah. Who that would be cool. Like, why not? <laughs> but I'm if I don't ever do that, I'm very, very happy with exactly where I'm at. And it's, and that's what I, t- that's one thing I've learned and, it took me, a, I mean, I'm going to be 40, I'm going to be 39 this year and 40, well, be my 40th next year. But I feel like now I don't understand life. I don't get it, but I don't need to. Mm-hmm. I, like I always tell my daughter, where you are today doesn't define what you're going to be tomorrow or the next day or the next day. What defines you is if you stop, you don't want to grow anymore. If you say, uh, I already know that, or mm, I've done that, I've been there. No, I've been in, I was in here on earth for 25 years and then you showed up in my life and I'm seeing everything for the first time because you have to give it a chance through somebody else's eyes. Yeah. Life is not just about you. And I know we, I know we are always trying to look in to fix ourselves. And I think that's amazing. I mean, when I was growing up in high school, people would make fun of me when I would talk about meditation or crystals or um, like having a third eye. And so I was, I keep it hidden for a long time. Like, I'm not going to talk to anybody about that. And now every, it's the thing. Everybody's going inward and meditating and, you know, doing crystals and everything. And I'm like, Oh, I was just way beyond my time. I was self healing myself even before I knew I, I needed to, but the world, the universe knew Gloria, you have, you have a lot of work to do. So we're going to start you off even if you don't know what you're doing. Yes. 
Oh my gosh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I want to continue with that. Um, you've mentioned so the different, you know, the crystals and the healing and therapy. What are some ways so for listeners who are maybe in a spot where they're feeling like they they need to heal, they're ready for healing? Um, what are ways that you do daily because from talking with you, it sounds like there's still a struggle. I know there is with me. Oh, yeah. There's still things. So what do you do to help you heal and help you put you in that place um, I, of healing? I get up every morning and I do five things that I'm grateful for. And just for me being grateful, like I'm grateful to have life, to be able to breathe, to be able to serve, Stuff that, that fill my heart. And then I say five things I'm gr- outside of myself that I'm grateful for. My family, my, my family's health. I have good kids. I mean, they're not the smartest. Like, oh, they're not geniuses. I don't want, and I'm not saying they're not, but you know, like, they're good kids. They're kind. They're respectful. They, they show empathy. And I feel like I'm doing that. And I'm so grateful and thankful that I was able to instill that in them. Like always see where you can help. Even the smallest thing. So I'm always like, my son the other day, before all of this started, a lady dropped something. He's like, I'll be right back, mom. And I'm like, where's he going? And he went and helped an elder lady pick up her groceries for the floor. And I'm like, I didn't have to tell him. Like that to me was a big accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And those are my big things. I want to be able to create better people for our world. So those are my first. My second is on my way to work. I, I do pray. I am um, Christian, so I do pray. Um, I pray beyond now. I pray for my fe- for my kids' future. I pray for the world. And then... I try to be kind, not just nice, because I feel nice. People can be fake at it. Yeah. I try to be really kind. Like if I'm going to give someone a compliment, it doesn't have to just be about their looks. It could be about, oh, my gosh, your eyes look pretty today or your hair looks so good. Like, what are you doing? And it just, just depends. Sometimes I feel something. Sometimes it's just like, okay, no, today I don't need to compliment everybody. I, especially women, I feel like we don't compliment each other enough and we don't empower each other. I completely agree with that. And you know, something along that being kind, um, I have tried to make a practice of when I feel it, sometimes I'll feel like saying something to someone and maybe it's a stranger. And then I think, well, maybe I shouldn't, maybe they'll think I'll, I'm weird. Right. Yeah. Um, but then I'll just do it. <laughs> like, I really appreciate you being so kind when I drove up to get my coffee or yeah. whatever it is. And you can see them light up because you never know yeah. what someone needs. Right. And yes. being kind and nice, uh, being kind to somebody is not, it doesn't happen as often as we, we think. No. Because people are nice, but you can tell when someone's being fake nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but kindness, kindness is, it's, it's rare nowadays. It's, it's sad. And then at night I do meditate. I, 
I try to always center myself and ground myself. I do use crystals, not all the time. When I feel like I need, I need something. And that's when I knew my husband was my person. Because when I took out all my crystals and my candles and lit up and was like saging our house, never did he say, what are you doing? He's like, babe, more power to you. You want to make it feel better? Go for it. I'll go. I'll step outside. I, I'm not used to the smell. I'll be outside. Never <laughs> yeah. ha- and that's when he's one of the persons that taught me unconditional love. Because even somebody who con- tells you they love you unconditionally would be like, why are you doing your crazy stuff? This doesn't work. They would judge you for it. And he didn't. He was like, okay, do you? He even tells me when, because I used to see my godmother more frequently. Um, when are you going to meditate? When are you? I'm like, no, I'm doing it now on my own. He's like, oh, okay, that's good. I'm I'm happy because you can tell the difference. He can tell when I need it. He knows, like, Gloria, I think it's time for you to go into your space. And I'd be like, yeah, huh? I'm getting. He's like, yeah. But it's not. His tone does not upset me when he tells me because he knows it's for the best of, like, it's for the better of me. Mm-hmm. And so I do my, yo- I haven't done yoga in a while, but I do do yoga. I try to, um, I try to, even with my daughter, have a conversation about her. And to me, that's healing because we're bonding with my son. It's, I think what works for me the most is having a connection with someone else, a one-on-one connection. Connection. Absolutely. I have, um, you had brought up your daughter and that was something I, I wanted to ask you about having a daughter and as your daughters grow and worry, and I'm sure your son too, um, yes. worrying about someone hurting them. Um, how do you deal with that? Well, I was very overprotective and at now I don't think I was, I think I was, I did good. Mm. Um, by the time my daughter was two, she knew what her privates were. Mm-hmm. I said, no one touches your breast. No one touches your, we would call it cosita. <laughs> like no one touches that. And she's like, okay. She was two. She didn't know any better. Like she was like, okay, no one touches me. And I kept repeating it every time we showered her, every time I changed her, every single time. She was four years old and ran. We, my in-laws had a house in the back we lived in. So she was in the front with them and she ran to me and she's like, my grandpa touched my privates, my grandpa touched my privates, my grandpa. And my husband, I was like, wait, I'm like, can we talk to him? I said, can we all talk? And she's like, no, he touched me. You said, and I mean, she was four. She could, she was making mm-hmm. sense. And I was like, I was ready to go into battle with her and for her. And just, I said, okay, but let's have grandpa here. Okay. And she's like, okay. And I said, and I called her, my husband called his dad and said, CEO is stating that you did this to her. He's like, yes, I did. And I'm like, and I, and I said, can you show me? 
And he's like, yeah, I was about to hug her and I accidentally rubbed my hands in her breast. And I said, okay. And Sumara's like, oh, he was trying to hug me. Like, she's like, mom, but you said he shouldn't touch my private. And I said, Sumara, he shouldn't. And I told my father-in-law, don't, don't, from now on, don't uh, pick her up that way. Um, that way she feels safe and you know you're not doing anything. Like you're not going to be in this position again. Mm-hmm. And that's, my daughter looked at me like, her look was all I needed to know. I've been, I was doing a good job. Because mm-hmm. she looked at me like she, my mommy believed me. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't question. She didn't tell me it's not true. It was a look that I wish to this day my mother would have given me. Yes. It was a look of, I got it. And, you know, I still go through stuff with my kids. I mean, I'm, we're still talking about it. Like the other day we were coming back from church and she came out to me as bisexual. And I was like, that's okay. She's like, I know, mom, it's okay. And then she, But I kept repeating myself. Oh, that's okay. That, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And she's like, mom, are you okay? And I said, <laughs> with you? I'm okay with you. I said, but now the world, I can't protect you from the whole world. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've been trying to do my whole life for you. And she's like, it's okay, mom. We we're, we got this. And I'm like, okay, I'm, it was another confirmation. Like, I'm doing a good job. I'm not failing at it. And now yeah. we talk more about, we talk more about sexuality. We do talk more about, because I never used to talk about my childhood, never talked about my past. It's not a pretty past. So I was never, not, and now we're talking about it more. And now that I'm speaking more about it I tell her whatever I tell you do not hold any ill will to any person I mention because this is my past and these people are not around us so I don't need you to hold that negativity in I'm telling you because you're asking me to share a part of my childhood and this is my childhood and she said something to me once she's like, you're not, what, how did she say it? She's like, you're not mean to have gone through all that. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you're not, you're very nice. You're very, you wouldn't think you've gone through stuff. Yeah. Yeah. People and, are surprised. Yeah. Right? Yes. yes. And, and I'm like, I guess I hide it while I told her. And she's like, no, mommy, you, you're very happy. And I said, it's taken a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work and it's absolutely worth it. And I I need to say that you are an amazing mom. Thank you. I know you can't see me, but like I, when you told me that story, like I have tears in my eyes because, and I think this is, you said it so perfectly. This is how every adult whether they're your children or not, should respond 
when a child says that they have been touched um, or have been hurt or whatever the case may be, you heard her out. You didn't say, well, that probably didn't really happen because it's grandpa or that probably Mm -hmm. really didn't happen. Maybe you got it wrong. Um, But you're like, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's talk about it. And the way you approached it so calmly when you're probably your heart was racing. Like, oh my God, did this, you know, and you had him come in and you talked because then she was okay with him coming in. Mm-hmm. You're like, let's just have him a part of the conversation. Okay. Like she trusted you and it was <laughs> not a huge deal in her eyes. Um, uh-huh. And then you guys talked about it and you made it so that she not only felt like you trusted what she was saying, but that you were going to make sure she was safe and you were going to make it so that she felt safe about, um, uh, about the situation and, and, and interacting so that everyone can do that. Because I see so often, um, for example, I might see on social media, someone say, oh, my daughter told me her friend said this, but what if that child's lying. I don't want to cause problems for the family. I don't know what to do. That's not our role is to, it's not our place to figure out if the child is lying or not. You need to step up and be an advocate for this child. And then, you know, it's, it's other people, the police or child protectors or whatever, whoever else is involved, it's their role to uncover what's going on. Because at the end of the day, and I'm kind of going on a tangent, but um, at the end of the day, if a child says that this is happening in their home and it's not, there's something else wrong. Yes. Why? Right. Yes. And so you did that. I mean, I thought that was absolutely beautiful and amazing and something else I, I agree with as well. And, um, and applaud is the child being able to talk about their body parts and not giving any stipulations. So yeah. we might say, um, if someone touches you like this, but not like this. And then once you start putting in all these different but and maybes, um, the child may do that even when it is it's something yeah. wrong that's happening, right? Yes. So just clear cut, no one touches you. And then, yeah. and then once uh, something presents itself, then you can talk through it. I just thought that that was beautiful. It was hard. I mean, being a parent, no one gives you a scripture of what to do. Mm-hmm. And I grew. My sister had a kid at fifteen. I was eighteen when she had eighteen or nine when she had her daughter. And then my older sister had her first son at. 20 I think she was 21 I was used to being around kids I mean they trusted me with their kids and but when you have your own it's a whole different story I didn't realize I didn't ever thought I would be a mom and that's one thing my daughter came to teach like and I get so emotional speaking about this because I didn't want to be a mom because I had a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. But I tell I told my daughter, I didn't want to be a mom, but boy, did I pray for you, not knowing that I was praying for you. Oh. I yeah. said, I've always wanted someone to love me unconditionally, to be proud of me. And how you came into my life. It filled me up with so much love that to this day, it's amazing the love I have for her. 
and I love both my kids. But she opened the door that has that was never open before. That's beautiful. Thank you. But she's like everything she does. She's a lot like me, even though she doesn't like me saying that. <laughs> and because, you know, I look at her and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're more like me than you even can know. She's She stands up for women's rights. She stands up when someone's being bullied. Sometimes she can become the bully because she wants the bully to realize, like, she's intimidating, you know? don't become the bully you just gotta be who you are and still do the right thing and we could we've gone through she's only 13 but I feel like I've gone through so much with her already and she's an awesome person and through her I'm like you know what I'm living my teenage years again I'm living and not that I'm partying it's not like that it's it's the ability to be like, you're cool. You're you're a pretty awesome kid, you know? And I'm living that through her again, and I'm going through, and I just can't wait for high school. And it. And my husband's like, you're enjoying this? I said, yes. I'm enjoying their teenage years more than when they were babies more because that's something that got stolen from me. Mm-hmm. That's something that I don't remember because I was either high or drunk. And the fact that I'm able to relive relive everything in an innocent way, in a way that it's it's not hurting me, or um, but I'm gaining so much more from it. Does that make sense? You know what it. I ne- I never thought of it that way, but it makes absolute sense. Um, I was exactly the same when I was young. Um, that moment in time and what had happened completely changed the trajectory of my life for the rest of my life. There wasn't a day where that abuse um, did not influence what my day was like. I was always either taking prescription medicine or drinking um, or doing drugs. Um, I was not, um, I didn't cherish my body. And when I was a teenager, like if, if someone wanted, wanted to sleep with me, I was like, who am I not to, you know, um, to say no. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even think that was my right. But looking back, any like sexual encounter I had, I was always drunk. Yeah. Like it was never like you just numb yourself and all of that is stolen from you. And then you start to heal. And then yes, now, because I have two teenage daughters and a little one. Yeah, it is. It is. It's amazing to see them happy and see them yeah. engaged and see them strong in ways that I never was. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's empowering. It's, and it's not happening to you, but it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's very, I love it. Like even my son, who's a hermit, who just loves to play video games. He's, he's like, mom, like 
you still have to love me, right? And I said, yes, I do, son. Yes, I do. I'm not changing you. He's like, you can't change me, mom. But it's accepting and learning stuff with him, even though I hate video games. But it's like, okay, how do we play? Let's talk to me about it. But it's stuff that I wish I wish I would have had. I, but now I don't need to wish for it anymore because I do have it. Yes, I'm in my 30s, but I'm 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 receiving it already. I and I'm accepting love into my life. That's the biggest key, accepting love. Because when stuff happens to us, we feel we don't deserve love, we don't deserve peace. We got to live in the chaos to feel like we're acknowledged in this world. And once I don't accept chaos in my life unless I want it. And that's something that's like a, if I'm having a debate with somebody and it's a little chaotic on our conversation, because it could be politics, religion, or some kind of dispute, even my, even my people that I'm with, it's, I still feel safe in that, in that little slightly chaos, but I grew up with a very, very chaotic life then now I thrive on the stillness of it. I thrive on on being home or just going to the park with my kids. I mean, not right now, of course, but going to the <laughs> park with my kids, spending the day at the beach and just the four of us or, or having a long drive. My husband's a very, like, Let's get out of here. I'm feeling claustrophobic in our home, in our home, and we'll take a drive. And it's just the four of us, and the bond we have in the car and the stuff we talk about. It's dumb to everybody else, but to us, it's the best. And I'm a crybaby. I'm like a big emotional person. When we would go to Disneyland, I would be crying, and my husband's like, "Why are you crying?" I said, "Cause." It's my first time seeing everything yeah. without any drama attached to it. Yeah, because that, yeah, that that drama of, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mind is like spinning. There's, you're absolutely right. That was so beautifully put. Like even a trip, I could remember. Um, like say even just a trip somewhere. Um, my stepfather, we have a great relationship now. When I was little, he was, I just remember it seemed like he was always really angry. Mm -hmm. So even if we were going to go somewhere um, fun, let's say, the stress of even getting in the car because I knew it would probably be a fight yeah. or even just the, 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 the cloud of what happened to you still churning inside of you. Yeah, just makes all the experiences different, yeah. not as joyful, not as bright. No, I like my sister's going through therapy now. And so she's finally told my mom, maybe about five, six years ago, she told my mom the truth. And she, she apologized. She's like, I'm so sorry, sister. Our relationship has gotten better within the last, really better within the last two years, uh, maybe three years. Um, and she'll call me and be like, how did you get through this? How? She's, you know, my mom, 
had a stroke about two years ago, and so she's she's bed bound, and I took care of her for the first six months of her stroke. And my husband's like, "You can't do it anymore." I said, "Oh my gosh, I'm I feel like I'm dying inside." And he's like, "Because you've already made peace with it, and she hasn't." And so my mom is constantly like, my mom is a hard, hard person to love, but I still love her. But my sister now is going through everything I went through as a kid, like the ugliness of my mom's words, of my mom's um, verbal abuse. And she's like, how did you get through this? And I said, you just don't have to take it personal. And she's like, how do I not? And I said, it's hard. It's hard not to take stuff personal. But you, you have to realize that her mental state, it's nowhere near your mental state. You still have the option to grow from this. She, she has problems of her own that you cannot help her with. You're not here to, we're not here in this world to save everybody. We're here in this world to save ourselves. And within ourselves, when we are kind to other people, other people will reflect that on. But we're not saviors for people. So I always tell my sister, because she's going through a lot right now with, with finally speaking more about her abuse, her stuff. And I tell her, I let her speak. And she's like, thank you, sister. And I, and I tell her, you got to love yourself more than anyone else around you. You got to accept who you are before somebody and before waiting for somebody to come and accept you, it's like it's those princess fairy tales that the prince is going to save us. No one's going to save us. Mm-hmm. Ourselves. We're going to save ourselves. We have to empower ourselves to be better. And there, when we are better, we reflect on it. We're better tonight. Other people and those people and those people are better. It's a domino effect. And if you're ugly, you're, that's all you're going to know. And I'm a strong believer that everyone in this world is brought here for a reason. Even the ugliest person, the meanest person in the world, he's here for a reason. He's the reason you're not going to be ugly. He's the reason you learn to treat people kind. He's the reason you realize what you don't want to be. I mean, chaos is everywhere. It's just a choice to live in it. Or to move away from it. Yes, because when I look back, um, where I'm at right now, and so it's, I wish I would have, I could say I wish I would have gotten to where I'm at right now sooner, um, but that's okay. I'm yes, that's okay. I'm 43 and I'm where I'm at now and I'm just happy I'm here now. Yeah. So they, um, when I think back, so being where I'm at now, I honestly wouldn't change anything that happened to me because where I'm at now, I, it motivates me and drives my life to help other people, um, to be there for them. I might not, not that I wouldn't have wanted to help people, but it would have been, and it it wouldn't have been what it is right now Mm -hmm. from what I experienced. I believe it made me, um, a better, more aware mom, and because I take everything that I, I wish 
others would have done, like you had mentioned for me. And I try to do that uh, for my children. And I just don't want to be somebody else in this life. I want to be who I am right now. And I wouldn't be if I didn't have everything from my past. It's amazing. It is amazing that I always see myself as a lotus flower, like it grows in the mud. And out of the mud comes a beautiful flower. And I am I I don't accept what happened to me, meaning like, oh my gosh, it should have happened. No, no kid, no adult, no human being should ever be taken that right away. That's something that I I fight for. Um, the, That's why the, you're sharing your story. Yeah, like the abuse of children or adults or any woman, anybody who's taking, even men, that is taking something away from you without your permission is wrong. Yes. And when people talk, when people used to say, oh, but it happened to you a long time ago. No, it happened to me yesterday when someone hugged me and they smelled like alcohol or the beer he would drink. It happened to me yesterday. And people would be like, you shouldn't live that in that life. Um, my anxiety is my anxiety. But now in this moment, I know what to do with it. I know how to work with it. It doesn't consume my daily. It doesn't consume me anymore like it did. But that's because I've learned I've learned that it wasn't my fault. Yes. It was Gloria, not my fault. I love how you said that. It happened to me yesterday. Yeah. This is what this is what it feels like when something sets off a memory and it's like it happens to you yesterday. And yeah. yes, it was not your fault because yeah, throughout not- your whole life you carry that it was your fault. Yes. And until you really believe it, and it takes people years and years, and some people die without believing that it wasn't their fault, without it really knowing that it wasn't your fault. Because once you speak of it, I always tell somebody, once you speak of it without any anger, you realize that it was not your fault. Because when you're still angry about it, you feel like you could have done something. Yes. Yes, there's a lot of that. Why didn't I tell anybody? So yeah. when people are asking you, why didn't you say something? Or why aren't you over it yet? Mm-hmm. Then you're like, why am I not? Why didn't I say something? Why? And then you start, yeah. And then that turns into negative self-talk and that yes. I'm worthless and all of the other stuff that comes with that. Yes, and it's a, it's like uh, growing up, I always had um, – the universe always provided some light in my darkness. And I'm beyond thankful. I met my best friend in high school, freshman year, and I wanted to be her because she she was tough. She was just like, I got this. And she's very smart, and she's just like, so in high school, I realized, like, that's who I'm going to thrive to be like. And that got me to want to graduate, to want to do more. Um, and she's still my, and she's still my best friend, and we still have a connection. But I know God put her in my path, so I could see some light in my future. Mm-hmm. 
and or if people don't believe in God, the universe. I do believe somebody, something always higher, higher than us, is motivating us or pushing us to the right people. And the universe put a lot of people in my path that have shown me love, shown me acceptance, have hugged me when I needed a hug, even when I wanted to push them away, have knocked at my door like, hey, we haven't seen you in a couple of days. What's going on? Um, those people I hold so dear to, and they're not a lot. It's maybe a handful of them, but my circle has taught me that I'm stronger than I look. I'm brave, I'm smart, and I can overcome anything. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, I love also what you shared, what you shared about your daughter. And uh, I just noted that down because that my children, um, especially my first, well, my first two, especially not that there's anything with my, my six-year-old, but, um, my first two, because I was at that point when I became a mom, I was in very deep despair and very suicidal and they literally saved my life because I didn't want them to think they weren't special enough for me to stay alive. Yeah. So I would sit there at the nights I didn't have them because I was divorced and we had split custody and stare at bottles of pills. And 90% of me wanted to take them all. And then there was that percentage of, no, my daughters, I don't want them to feel that way. I don't want that. Because when when I was in that, it's not that I didn't love. I absolutely worshiped those little girls and I still do. I worship all my children, but I'm um, not, but, and, um, when you are feeling that they would be better off without you. So that's the 90% yeah. that was like, they will be better off without you. That voice that's telling you that, but then there's that little voice, the truth is like, no, you don't want to leave them with that. And so they, and that's what propelled me into working so hard and healing. They absolutely saved my life. Yes. My, my children, Xiomara saved me from a lot. Like, I don't want anyone else raising her. Mm -hmm. Cause no one knows me, me better than me. And that's what's kept me mean I haven't had that thought in a while but I know when I was 13 I took a bottle of my mom's I think it was whiskey I don't know who cares now but and I used to take uh, Vicodin pills for my migraines because I used to suffer from migraines still do but more back then and it was all the stress and not being able to sleep and I took four Vicodin pills and I'm just like, I'm just going to sleep until I can't sleep anymore. And woke up throwing up, woke up really sick from it. And my mom being like, you're being dramatic. And, and I wanted to tell her, no, I try to kill myself and go to sleep forever. And no, I just said, you know what? 
fine. She means she helped me, made me something to drink to settle my stomach. And then I went back to sleep. And I'm like, now looking back at it, it was like, oh my gosh. I can't believe I went. Like, I'm so thankful to God that that I didn't die because my life is so good right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm so blessed to be in this world. And it's just so when I look back at my past, sometimes I can't believe that it was my past. Mm-hmm. Now when I look back and sit, like my husband has asked me questions about it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I went through that. Or no, or he'll ask me something and it triggers another memory. And I'm like, oh no, that happened to me, but blah, 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 blah. Or my mom hit me this way and it was bad. And I look back at it and I'm like, I'm not stuck there. I'm not stuck there while I'm here. And that that's when I know like, okay, Gloria, you've come a long way. You've come a long way. You've let people in that never in a million years you would have let in. Um, I've, it's just, and I'm proud of myself. And I tell myself this, I'm proud of you because you took a step forward. You took a step to life, to be able to live, to see the beauty in people. Because I could see people and I'd be like, oh, that person saw this or that person. I would talk about people all the time. And now I see the beauty in everything. And it's it sounds dumb. It sounds naive. But I like it. I like being able to trust another person. I like that feeling that if I call someone, they will drop what they're doing for me. I, and I feel worthy of it now. I really feel worthy of it because I'm that person too. I'm that friend that if you call me, I'll drop what I'm doing to help you. Yes, absolutely. We are all worthy of it. And then we have experiences that make us feel that we are not. And I think that that is wonderfully put that you feel proud of, 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 of what you did to be at the place you are on, you were at now. I want to clarify. So when I said um, I wouldn't change what had happened to me because it 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 made me who I am today, I didn't mean that um, for people listening that you have to experience something like that to be compassionate. Or obviously, I would have preferred not to have had any of that happen. Yes, I'm just you. You tied it up with uh, with a ribbon for me. I am proud of who I am now. So I wouldn't want to jeopardize who I am now by changing my past. That's, that's what I meant. Because it's so hard when something happens to you like that, to have empathy for other people or to Mm -hmm. feel sympathy because you're like, we could fall into that. My life is harder than yours. And I always tell people, no one's, what you're going through is probably the worst thing you're going through. And it doesn't mean that what I went through is less than, or what you're going through is less than we get into this, this cycle of like, 
sometimes we feel like other people's pain or what they've gone through. Like I had someone once tell me, you weren't raped, you were molested. And I was like, what? And the person said it again, you weren't raped, you were molested. So it's not like they took something from you. What? And I said, I told this person, I said, whether I was raped or not, something was taken from me because mm -hmm. I was five years old. No one, no one should be touching me, should have taken that, like that security blanket off. No one should have been invading any part of my body. Mm -hmm. So that something was taken away from me. And that doesn't mean if a rape victim, if I see a rape victim, doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to say like, yours is not that bad. No, if you are not, if you don't give consent for somebody to come into your space, that's an invadement of you. Yes. And no one has the right to take that away from you. Gloria, I am so, amen, 100%. I am so glad you said that. And it's so important for people to hear um, because I do, I, when I get that a lot where, well, what happened to me wasn't as bad as what happened to you. And so by saying that, you are saying to yourself, so get over it. It shouldn't be bothering you. You're telling yourself that by yes. saying, uh, and if you say, well, why are you so upset? This happened to me and it was way worse. So why are you, then you are belittling, you are belittling how they're feeling. You are doing exactly what all of us with these stories are scared to tell our story yes. because we don't want, we're worried that people are going to react that way. And so you're doing that to other people or yourself. If you're saying, well, my thing wasn't that bad. If something happened to you, whatever that something is, and it is hurting you and affecting and hurting your life, it is significant, period. And you have just as much of a right to say this happened to me and it's hurting me than anybody else in any other situation. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because a lot it's, of people feel that it's way. Been a, it's been a journey. And I just, I really do love where my me mentality is at these days. I feel, again, more powerful, more, and we all have our bad days. And I've learned to just be like, today's not a good day. It's okay. I'm going to still keep my routine and figure out what triggered it. Now, I just look for my triggers. Like what triggered that? What what happened? What haven't I worked on? So I'll go back and be what triggered? Oh, the way someone spoke to me triggered the way my mom used to speak to me or the way someone touched me triggered the way this. How can I speak up without sounding like I'm crazy? So I've told people your tone of voice I don't like the way it's coming out. It, it's affecting me in a way and I can't explain it at the time, but don't speak to me that way. Mm -hmm. Or um, if my husband hugs me or kiss me, babe, not like that. But I say it in the moment when it happens again, like I figure out what my triggers are and I'll be 
hey, don't speak to me that way or I'm sorry about this because it's affecting me in a certain way. Does that make sense? It 100% makes sense. I know um, to to relate to that, My when my husband and I were first together, I had a lot of triggers sexually and with intimacy. And I would keep them to myself and it would get worse and worse and worse. And so then when I finally, because he was like, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. Like I, I don't, I just don't understand. I told him, I told him, this is how I feel and this is why. Then he under he understood and he didn't feel like a horrible person because he was doing all these things wrong. He understood why I felt that way. And now we're at a place where he can totally read me and know um, he, I just feel so safe with him and he, I, he can totally read me. So I, I absolutely know, know what you're, but I had to communicate that yes. to him so that he could understand what I was feeling. Yeah. Cause we were, I think we're, we think we have to stay quiet because of what happened. We feel like we're, we're hopeless still. And it's like, no, I'm an adult. I have a voice. Let me, and I've had to work on my delivery. Um, and I'm getting better at my delivery. So now I just tell people like, don't speak to me that way or, and not like in a rude way, like the way you, your tone is affecting me in a certain way. Can you change it a little bit? And no one's ever said, Oh my gosh, you're sensitive. No, they were like, okay, Gloria, don't, no problem. And that's when I realized like my group of people is, it's very tight. It's very small, but they get it they get they get me and even when they don't get me they'll ask me and and that's when you know like you're not playing the victim card because a lot of people think like oh she's just playing the victim card or anxiety is very real um especially when something's taken away from you without your permission you're always constantly thinking what else is going to be taken away from me without my permission. What we're always on this, like on the, like on the battlefield ready, like ready for battle. Like what's happening, what's coming next, what's coming next. We rarely back then I would rarely stop and what people say, stop and smell the roses. It was always like on auto mode. Like let's get this, like we're you're looking for triggers everywhere you're looking for a predator everywhere. You're constantly mm-hmm. on the lookout. And yes. And I'm, I mean, I'm still on the lookout because I have a, I have a young child. I'm not going to go to the grocery store in the middle of the night. And even if I did, nobody, no predator should feel like that's your time to attack. But I do take care of myself. I take precaution. I know, um, a little self-defense, like I, but that's because I wanted to empower myself. I'm not saying that everybody should do it. We shouldn't have to live in a world where we're scared that our kids go out, our daughters or boys go somewhere. We shouldn't have to live in a world like that. Unfortunately, we do. So I need to empower myself a little bit more. And that's what I've done. I talked to my husband. Um, 
set my set my car so only my side opens up or only this or this and that and he understands me too he knows I don't like going to the gas station so what does he do he fills up my my car for me he knows that's like one of my anxieties but but am I always feeling like helpless because of it no I know if it came down to it and I have to go I'm gonna do it but I'm just more self-aware of my surroundings and I, I don't like it when people say, like, oh, your anxiety. Oh, it's just your anxiety. Like, if it's to be dismissed. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work, and it's a daily work. It's on mm-hmm. a daily work on ourselves. Like, I don't think you go a week without checking up on yourself, right? Like, you, I check on myself, like, maybe twice a day. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Gloria, what's going, like, I constantly have to talk myself, talk to myself and feel like you're good. You're good enough. You're, you know, you're going through some stuff right now. It's, you know, and summer is the worst for me. Well, it used to be the worst. Now it's gotten a lot better, but my abuse happened in the summer. Mm. So I don't. I didn't care for summer. I hated summer. I I gained weight because I didn't want to be attractive. Now I can't lose it, but that's okay. But I gained all this weight <laughs> in my teenage years. I was I gained I'm I gained I became obese because I was like, I don't want to look attractive. I don't want anyone to look at me. I don't want that attention. So it's trigger it's stuff that Food was my best friend back then. And it's stuff people don't realize it that like the the smell of chlorine in a pool used to affect me to where I hated pools. And it was a lot. Why? Because I grew up in a pool. The person who did this to me, you can smell it in his hair. Mm. So it was a lot of, a lot of triggers that have come. Now I enjoy summer. Of course, I'm like different person. Um, but yes, I used to think about why do I, oh my gosh, summer used to, I would be grouchy in summer, but now this, I enjoy it. Go ahead. No, that this is so, this is so important. Um, another reason for hearing people's stories and for this podcast is I want other people and it's always been my mission. So my very first focus is on you and everybody that needs to share their stories or would like to share their stories to release it. Um, and then to help people who are going through things to receive inspiration and healing um, from those stories. But also on the other side, I also wanted family members and people and friends who have not experienced something like that to understand us. I think it's so important. Like we definitely, um, I talk with my husband, I want to understand how, who I am and the way I interact and respond to things affect him. I want them to understand us and not see like, gosh, this is so weird. You know, like oh, that you're responding that way, but to understand, like you said, that's so beautiful. Like chlorine, I hate the smell of chlorine, and people might be like, "Why?" Well, because it smelled like his hair. 
And then it clicks. Oh, like we were talking the other day and this is just something new, you know, that my husband didn't even know. And cause I had never mentioned it. I didn't think about it, but, um, where he had said, uh, they were talking about the show taxi on TV, that old show taxi. Mm-hmm. And, um, I immediately, my response when they were talking about it was, I hate that show. I absolutely hate that show. And they're like, why? And, um, I was thinking like the actors are fine. There's no nothing. Well, because I had an experience with that man where he was molesting me and that's what was on the TV. So I hate the music. I hate the show. It just, it, as soon as I hear about it, it, that's what comes up for me. And then they were like, oh, instead of that's weird, Felicia, (laughs) you hate that show so much. Just it, I think it's important for relationships, friendships, intimate relationships, everything to understand. Yes. I, it's because it was so kept in the closet before. Mm-hmm. That it ingrained I, itself so deeply in us. Yes. And now when I hear my sister talk about it, and it's both, it could be both of us telling a story, but I let her speak. Because I've been telling my story since I was 20 years old, like not ashamed of it anymore. Um, and she just started telling her story. So to me, I let her speak. I let her speak like if it just happened to her and no one else. Because she needs that. Yes. I've already, not that I've gone over it, but I've already worked through those parts of it. In her book, she's midway. And I'm like, I just love, not that I'm like embracing like, woohoo, go ahead. No, it's like, yes, tell your story yes, what happened to you was not okay. And I'm here for you if you need anything. Yes. And I think we need more of that because it's been, and you realize that one out of three girls has been through this. One out of three girls. You know, it's a lot. It's If you look at statistics about whether it's verbal abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, any of that, we've all been through something. Mm -hmm. And no one is less than or more than in the, because as long as we, we encourage each other to grow and to move to a better us. Yes. And those numbers that you shared are only from those who've reported it. Yeah. It's sad. It's so sad. It's it's beyond. It's it's hard. This shouldn't be happening. No. And it's happening because I feel it's it's I mean, I don't know why what compels someone to hurt a child or a woman or a man, hurt anybody. Yeah. Um, but the sexual abuse or physical abuse, it happens, I think, because there's so much, especially sexual abuse. So I'm just focusing on that sexual abuse. It happens so often because it can, because um, especially if you're a child and your mind can be manipulated because there's so much shame around it that it just absolutely messes with you psychologically as the victim. 
There's the adults in the child's life that, and and not bashing them, maybe don't know how to deal with it or deal with it in the wrong way. And it just keeps snowballing. Um, but I think it's the shame and the taboo subject of sex and sexual abuse that makes it hard to talk about, which makes it not talked about until the yeah. person is in a place where they feel like they can. And you know what? That may never happen. That yeah. may never happen. No, it's my brother once. Um, we were having a big discussion. It was a lot of my aunts were their cousins. And my brother was like, I didn't know it was happening. He was the youngest one. Um, he's like, but I see both of you. Like somebody should do a statistic, like a story on both of you. Because both of you grew up in the same household. The same thing happened to you, both of you, and you both are very different. Like my sister became the pleaser for my mom. Like whatever you need, mommy, after, you know, like she was a perfect daughter, perfect daughter. Um, and she was very outgoing. She was in sports. She was in very like liked by a popular, you know, I'm not talking about, oh, popular girl in school, but no, people knew her. She was in sports. She was very active, very uh, a people person. And then you saw me and I was very, like, no one talked to me. I wore baggy clothes all the time. I looked like we came from different households because I looked not kept up. I was very like, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Who are you? Like, very different from her. And my brother's like, but both of you went through the same thing. How does that work? And I told him, well, because she took a new path than I did. Like she was like, I think my sister thought, okay, the better I am, I'm just going to pretend she was the sweep everything under the rug. I think that was her approach. And my approach was like, he made my life, he, he took something from me. So I'm going to make everybody's life miserable. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? It totally makes sense. And you know, what's very interesting and important for people to realize you both were so different. Mm -hmm. You both responded to that in different ways, but you both didn't say anything. Yeah, we didn't. We kept, and she still didn't. Oh, when she, I told my mom I was 18, she was 19 and she was like, nope, nope. And then when we finally talked about it, she's like, I was embarrassed, Gloria. I had a boyfriend at the time. I was like, what are you doing? You're going to ruin my life. And yeah. I'm like, yep. And I told her, but you would have helped mine. Yes. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. I just, I didn't think about it. And that's, and I don't hold ill will to her because it was, it was, you know, when you have your truth to speak, like when you're ready to talk about it, you're ready to talk about it. She mm -hmm. wasn't ready. And I shouldn't have pushed it on her. I shouldn't have told my mom it's happening to both of us. I could have just told my mom it's happening to me and that's it. It happened and that's it. Mm -hmm. But it happened and it happened. and now, But now we're both in a better place. We're both growing from it. Yes. And it's so important for um, adults to understand that – Children aren't telling. 
So even though you were both so different and responded to it different, you both res- you both did decide um, for a time and different times, you came forward sooner than her, but that at the time that this was something shameful, um, a lot, I especially, I believe this with sexual abuse because it has to do with sex yeah. and how um, society makes body parts and sex so taboo. So that wraps up into that. But you both didn't tell. So it's our responsibility as adults, not just parents, but just adult people, because there's going to be children coming in and out of our lives to create an environment where it is safe for children to honestly say what they're going through. Because I know there's some people that... You know, it was asked, um, I was on a, um, as a guest on a podcast yesterday, the Overcoming You podcast, and Josh asked me, um, well, what Josh was talking about how we have someone to go to, right? And that um, people definitely, you know, you know, speak your truth and go to someone. And I was thinking, gosh, there are some people that really don't feel like they do. Like they can't go to their family. So, you know, I'm like, you can write me, (laughs) but it it should be that every child has someone to go to because if as adults, we all step up and acknowledge our role in being a child advocate, whether we have children of our own or not, then that, then all children will be able to have somebody that they can go to. I, maybe that's a big, grand, grand, audacious dream, but but no, we all need a person. Like I told my daughter, I'm your person. I know dad will, Dad tells you he's his person, but dad goes into like, we're going to kill people and blah, blah. No, no, no. I'm your person. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will get justice for you. You come and tell me, we will talk about how you want to handle it. Because sometimes you're scared of when people are like, if this happens to you, I'm, I know I was. I was like, oh. <gasps> this happened to me. It was my mom's brother. What if she chooses them? It's, it's a lot. It's a lot on a kid. It's a lot, even on women. Yeah. Even just the, I'm going to kill him. Right. Which your thing is like, I will do anything for you. And that's a good thing. But the kid might be, well, shoot, I don't want my mom or dad to go over there and kill somebody. You know, they think they think of it quite literally. Yeah, so I I don't use words like that because I remember as a kid being like, oh my God, like these, all these things, questions and stuff, scenarios will pop into my head. So to my kids, I tell them, if somebody abuses you or touches you or anything, come to me and we will take care of it together. Mm -hmm. It's less dramatic when they think like, what if you go to jail or what if you never see them again? Or we don't know what the person is telling them. So I, I want my kids to be, to know that we're going to handle it in the most secure way to protect them and protect myself. Cause as a kid, when someone tells you, if you say anything, I'll kill, you're going to believe them. Mm-hmm. You're going to believe this person. If he has the power to touch you and take away that from you, then he has more power than other people think. As a kid, you believe this. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you think, you believe that person has that kind of power. So I'm always like, I don't want my kids to think that what they're thinking is wrong. But I want them to know that I also have power. Like, let's work. Let's 
get something done in the best way for my child. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And I actually wrote that down. We will find a secure way to protect you. I, I love that because it absolutely makes sense. I know my abuser told me my parents would hate me. And at the time I didn't have a good relationship with my stepdad. So I thought he knew and he hated me and I didn't want my mom to know because I didn't want her to hate me. Um, his daughter said, I know it's happening to you because it happened to me. You can't say anything or you will destroy my family. So I didn't say anything because I didn't want to destroy her family. So yes, there's you. <sighs> yes, I agree with you. Yeah, it's sad. It's, I didn't realize like, and to this day, like he's still alive, my abuser, but he's, he's in Mexico. And when I hear stories of him and what he's doing, he's, he's an alcoholic. He's a crazy person out there, but I, I won't go to Mexico. I won't go to my parents' city where they're from. Because to this day, I do not know what my reaction would be towards him. Mm -hmm. I would love to say, oh my gosh, I'm going to go up to him and be the good person and be like, I forgive you, bye. Or maybe I lose it and I go crazy on him. But that's something I don't want to know. I don't want to live because he's there. I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um. If we lived in the same city, in the, maybe that'd be different. Maybe I would have more courage to be like, let's get some justice. Let's get something. Yeah. Or let's yeah. find out if he did it to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. The How you said that, I think it's very important to approach as even though we we are going to be swirling and whirling inside if something happened to our children oh, yeah. to approach it as calm as possible it's not about you at that point um so you're not saying oh my gosh i feel horrible i wish i would have known i wish I yeah you're thinking all of that yeah but as soon as you say that now you're telling your child that uh they've hurt you mm -hmm. emotionally and saying things like, oh, because I, I would be totally like that. That's what I feel. Oh, I'm going to find him. I'm going to kill him. But making it just very calm. And even I think that's special, like how you talk to your daughter when, when that one situation happened that you shared with us mm -hmm. is that it's very calm. Let's talk about it because then I think it takes away like the, the sexual abuse in general is, is terrible. For a child, it, and I, I want to communicate this correctly, but they don't need to know how horrible it was that they did that um, because it makes them feel horrible. The way you approach it, like, okay, all right, so let's talk about this and let's, um, uh, um, I am going to help you and it's not going to be this big war and we're going to move forward. I think it takes away some of the trauma maybe mm -hmm. this is what i imagine it does i don't know for sure i should find out but it it takes away like for example sex is so taboo and it's something that we can't talk about and it's it's you know uh but why but because that's what we've we've made it that way am i making sense yeah. yes it does make sense okay it has been 
so amazing talking to you. I could talk to you for hours. Um, and it's, it's crazy. We've, we spent so much time together right now and, and we even just scratched the surface, right. Of everything that everything we could talk about and everything that could come from this. I wanted to make sure because often when, you know, you're going to come on and share your story, is there anything that you wanted to share and make sure the audience knows um, before, you know, before we end our time together today? If anyone's listening that is currently getting abused, there's a way, there's always a way out and ask for help. Um, Someone who's already been through it, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's um, knowing it's not your fault, never was. It's never going to be your fault and that you're loved. And if you need anything, there's people out, especially nowadays in social media that are willing to help. Mm-hmm. And just find your people, find the people that are willing to listen and accept you and let you grow from this. Yes. Yes. That is so very true. There are first and foremost, I'm here and I most definitely love you and um, am, am doing all I can to build that space for all of you. And there are so I've had amazing experiences in even just Facebook group, Facebook groups, um, or any type of group where you can connect with people and you don't even have to have met that met them or meet them because they're all over and you can build those connections and have that support. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Gloria, thank you so much uh, for your bravery, for sharing your story. There was so I have literally pages of notes, just really beautiful highlights and I just really appreciate it. I know that your story is going to help a lot of people find healing, um, understand what their loved one is going through and I just really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.